0: You've arrived at the Talent Destination,
1: a podcast dedicated to the art of building a company your team will love. Hey everyone, this is Brie Olmstead, producer of Refine Labs Talent Destination podcast, and you've arrived at a bonus episode. If you hang around and listen today, you'll hear Talent Destination's co-host and Refine Labs Chief Operating Officer, Megan Bowen, talking with Frank Neimeyer, Chief Commercial Officer at WonderKind, a talent attraction technology inspiring millions of candidates to do the job they really love. Megan joined Frank as a guest on WonderKind's webinar series to talk about what it means to build a talent destination and think through effective strategies to create the conditions for people to do the best work of their lives. Thanks to our friends at WonderKind for inviting us onto their channel, for producing this content, and for permission to share it here on Talent Destination. Now to this episode.
2: All right, we are live with uh, Megan. Good morning for most of you. Good afternoon for uh, some of us. While we're waiting for everyone to uh, tune in, I want to know where's everyone tuning in from? Who's already uh, in here? Leave your uh, comments in the comments uh, section to get the engagement going. See Frederica coming from France. Lovely. I'm from New York. Amazing. We. In prep of this call, we uh, already had the chat that I'm so relieved that we got rid of all the travel restrictions Mm -hmm. and that we are uh, determined to meet up in person anytime soon. I feel like we next to this webinar, we still have a lot to talk about. We clearly have the same vision in how we want the talent attraction world to be changing. See Amsterdam, South Africa. Wow. I I, I just got back from uh, Cape Town. Amazing. Boston, quite an international crowd joining us uh, today, Megan.
0: Yeah, I love it. All over the place.
2: All over. Virginia, quite some from uh, the United States, which totally makes sense if I look at your follower base, which is pretty comprehensive on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Megan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Promoted the event a couple days ago and people seemed excited about it.
2: Yeah, 100%. I think it's uh, it's an extremely hot uh, topic. And uh, what I noticed is that B2B gen is moving at such a fast pace. And recruitment, in my opinion, is so far behind. And I feel like we're both determined to bridge that gap and uh, make sure that we speed things up within the recruitment industry.
0: Absolutely. I think the entire recruiting function and sort of employee experience is... I think, at an important inflection point. And I think people that want to win in the future need to be completely rethinking talent acquisition, employee experience, if they want to attract and retain top talent today.
2: Yeah, I'm uh, 100% sure that our audience consisting out of uh, direct employers, but also recruitment marketing agencies, shop sites, and so on, are on the same page with regards to that. Question is, how can they... Stay ahead of the curve or get ahead of the curve first and then stay ahead of the curve, which is perhaps even more challenging, right?
1: Yes
0: and no. I think the actual, we'll talk about it today, right? The actual tactics are relatively straightforward and simple. I think that the challenging part is leaders embracing a different mindset as well as investing in what they need to to make this happen. When we get into breaking down the actual activities, you'll see nothing is that difficult or groundbreaking, but it's having a the right mindset and the commitment to invest in that mindset is the key that I think a lot of the a lot of people need to get over that. And then once they're there, the tactics are relatively straightforward.
2: All right. I love the way you simplify complex uh, things. So uh, <laughs> let's get into that um, straight away. It's uh, four past 10 ESD, four past four over here. So I'd like to welcome everyone to um, the another one again webinar a series on uh, talent attraction that gives you actionable insights on how to adapt to the candidate driven market from leaders like Megan in uh, the industry. I'm Frank. Frank Neimeyer, I'm the CCO at uh, Wonderkind. And for those who don't know, Wonderkind is a talent attraction technology. And we, as a company, are on a mission to inspire millions of candidates to do the job that they love. I still see lots of people in my inner circle who are not 100% satisfied with what they do. You see your colleagues probably more often than you see your friends and relatives. So you better enjoy it. And like I said, we're on a mission to help people do the job that they love. And with our talent attraction technology, you can automate, distribute, track, and optimize talent attraction ads in minutes. Then for uh, today, we'll be discussing what uh, recruitment can learn from B2B demand gen, and more specifically, strategies from Refine Labs. And uh, like I said, we're joined uh, today by the Megan Bowen, CEO of uh, Refine Labs, a demand accelerator for B2B SaaS businesses that helps them increase marketing contribution to qualified pipeline and uh, revenue. And you've created a super strong inbound marketing strategy, which we will discuss later on in uh, this show, and that will help our audience or clients of our audience to become a talent destination. When we were in prep of this show, I just, I just love that whole principle And you really inspired me uh, with that. And I'm 100% sure that you will do the exact same thing with our audience uh, today. To kick things off, Megan, uh, we'll start with uh, three statements related to the topic. um, Mm -hmm. And all you could answer is yes or no. Got it. All right. You do have the chance to nuance it afterwards and elaborate about it. First and foremost, yes or no. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. The way employers attract talent needs to change fundamentally. Yes. All right. That's a firm yes. <laughs> Next one. Putting the candidate first will be the new standard in 2022. Yes. Not a firm yes. The scarcity of the labor market is not the biggest challenge of today. It's the mindset of employers.
0: Yes. Agree completely.
2: Wow. Three yeses. Right. Let's uh, give you the opportunity to uh, elaborate a bit more about that. The first one was uh, the way employers attract talent needs to fundamentally change. Your answer was, like with the others, yes. (laughs) Tell me why.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The reality is recruitment and talent acquisition hasn't had any meaningful change in, I would say, decades and people are still using the same recruitment and interview practices. Everything is extremely focused on what is best for the company. The strategy and the tactics have not evolved to meet the evolution of the labor market. And so there's a lot that has to change. And I'm I'm sure we're going to touch on a lot of the different things that, that people should be thinking about as we continue
2: this conversation. 100%, 100%. Right, the the next one was, putting the candidate first will be the new standard in 2022. Also, yes, of course. Tell me, what do you think that's needed?
0: Yeah, and I touched on this a little bit in my last answer, how I think a big problem is the mindset of companies putting themselves first and not having the empathy to put themselves in the candidate's shoes and design an interview process that's candidate first, um, to think about how to pull candidates in and attract candidates like you would attract customers. And so I think that it absolutely should be the new standard. And I think this is one of the key pillars of like the fundamental shift that has to happen in the mindset. I won't steal our thunder for later. So we're definitely going to elaborate more on this topic too throughout the conversation today.
2: Let's do that because... um I've always found this super interesting. If, if you look at B2B demand gen, if, if you look at the e-commerce industry, for example, putting the customer first has been the standard for years already. To be honest, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that in 2022, we're starting to talk about putting the candidates first.
0: Long overdue, absolutely.
2: 100%. Right. The, the last statement was the scarcity of the labor market is not the biggest challenge of today. It's the mindset. Also in prep of, our, of this show today, we've had a pretty in-depth conversation around this, right? And your answer on it was, yes, it's about the mindset. We need to see change and shift in mindset. Could you please elaborate a bit more on that one?
0: Yeah, definitely. The I would say it is a candidate's market. There are a lot of jobs and a lot of companies that are looking for top talent, right? And candidates have a lot more choices, which hasn't always been the case in the past. And so I would say that the scarcity of the labor market isn't truly the issue. The challenge that companies have is how do they position themselves to attract and retain the best talent so that when great people out there are presented with multiple options and multiple choices... You are the first choice because of how you've thought about communicating your company's value proposition, what it's like to work there, and how you go about attracting talent tells people a lot about what it will be like to work at your company. And so it all starts with the mindset. I mentioned this earlier. We'll get into the tactics and the strategies of what you can actually do. But when I break them down, you'll see that they're relatively straightforward to execute. The biggest challenge is making sure that at the leadership level, everyone agrees that this is a priority and this is the approach and the strategy that should be executed in order to get there.
2: What's, in your opinion, the biggest obstacle in getting that shift in, in mindset?
0: I think that there's a lack of acknowledgement that the power has moved from the company to the candidate. Similarly, in when you consider customers and sellers as well, right? There's been a large power shift over the last 10 years, given the rise in social media and digital marketing and access to information, right? So in back in the day whether you were applying for a job or whether you were you know looking to purchase something there was a lot of onus on the buyer to get information directly from the company because there was nowhere else to find it online right but that has dramatically shifted access to information is abundant people can find out what other people think of companies, right? And what it's like to work there or products and what it's like to use a product. And so the candidate or the buyer, whoever it is in whatever context you want to look at it, they want to do their own research and they want to get 80% of the way to deciding, do I want to apply for a job at this company? Do I want to buy this product on their own before they ever engage? And what happens today is... From a recruitment standpoint, so much information about what it's like to work at the company, what the actual job is like day to day, what the benefits and perks are, all of that information is held back and is only shared during or at the end of an interview process. Why not flip that mindset and provide all of that information before someone even applies for a job so people opt out to positions or companies that don't align with their values or their needs or their requirements. And you're only attracting candidates that have already aligned to various components about your company and interview fewer people that are more likely to be a good fit for the role, right? So that's the fundamental shift that has to happen. But for some reason, so many companies and leaders are just, I think they're stuck in the old ways of doing things and are unable to really make that transformation.
2: That's so interesting because um, to me, most of the companies out there are still following this inside out approach, right? whatever works best for the recruiter or for the recruitment team, for example, that's the the process they're, they're following. But with this, what you're saying is with flipping the whole uh, funnel, it will also save the internal organization much more time because they simply need to uh, have interviews with less people, but more qualified.
0: Absolutely. That's the intent, right? It's not about if we speak to a hundred people, we'll find the best one. It's How, again, and this these principles apply within the recruiting space for candidates or within like the B2B buying space, right? For customer acquisition. How can I create content and distribute that content in places that my candidates or buyers are already spending their time so they can learn on their own and they can raise their hand when they're interested in applying for a job or buying a product. And knowing that the likelihood of it being a good job fit Them being someone that will actually proceed with a purchase is much higher given that they are self-selecting and opting in on their own after they had a chance to do their own due diligence and get 80% of the way through an interview information gathering process or a buying process.
2: We only have 30 minutes uh, left, so I would suggest to get into it. I'd also like to have these uh, super interactive uh, shows. where We're live, so we have uh, lots of people listening to us as well. I encourage them all to just drop whatever question they have in the comments uh, section. We provide the audience with um, super concrete action items that they can put into motion tomorrow. One of your uh, strengths, uh, Megan, is that regardless of the roles that you're, you're in and you've been in Quite some is that you always identified what you believe was the biggest problem in business. Right? That's also what brought you in in this position. And looking at how talent attraction is is done today, what, in your opinion, is the biggest problem? I feel like we already touched upon quite some, right? But what's the biggest problem in your opinion?
0: Given that I think we've kind of talked about the mindset and really needing to rethink talent attraction and talent acquisition, I won't belabor that point. But I'll add something extra that I think is equally as important and part of this equation. So the second piece of it is once you do make that mindset shift and start to deploy some of the practices that we're going to talk about today for talent acquisition... You have to deliver on your employee experience or none of that matters. And so just like companies are not willing to change their mindset to put candidates first and design a candidate first interviewing and onboarding process, they're not thinking about how when new team members join, how they're prioritizing their people over their company interests and actually creating the conditions for people to do the best work of their lives and want to stay and grow within the organization. So both are required. If you're really awesome at adopting these strategies to attract talent, but then when people get there, if you don't create the right conditions, it's all going to fall apart. So those are two equally important problems and components of this that need to be addressed and solved.
2: If I look at what you are sharing, but also what um, the founder of Refine Labs, uh, Chris Walker, is sharing, it has a lot to do with the dark funnel and, and dark social. Could you tell us more about that philosophy? Because to me, it was a completely new new term, never heard of it. But when I done mm-hmm. my research, I was amazed by first of all the simplicity of it, right, and uh, second also that it's fairly easy to apply on talent attraction.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll really lean into the term dark social because that's really what we're all about at Refine Lab. So the concept of dark social is that most B2B buying decisions are made in places that cannot be tracked by traditional marketing attribution software. What does that mean? people are reaching out to their peers in slack communities or linkedin groups or facebook groups to ask what tools that they're using right people are reading other people's experiences on social media whether it's linkedin or instagram or facebook or tiktok people are consuming information that these companies are putting out about their products and services in places where they're spending hours of their time per day, right? And so when you think about old school, traditional marketing practices that rely on, you know, sending email blasts out or, um, you know, gating content here, give give me your email address, and then I'm going to give you some information. Those tactics are no longer working because people are realizing that they can find the information that they want on social media In communities, there's been a proliferation of virtual events and virtual communities post-COVID, right? More than ever, people are connecting and networking, and that's how decisions are being made. Again, this applies to both a B2B buying context, but also talent acquisition context. People are learning about what it's like to work at companies through social media. They're seeing if they are networked with anyone that works there to find out what their experience was like, right? They expect that they should be able to find a certain amount of information online about your company so they can even decide if it's the right fit for them. And so, The concept of dark social is acknowledging that this shift has happened over the last 10 years and meeting your buyer or your candidate where they're already spending their time and delivering content and information in the way that they prefer to consume it and not the way that you prefer to deliver it. So that's like the core concept of dark social and is the crux of both the marketing strategy that we help our customers deploy and implement, as well as... You know the root core of the strategy behind our employer branding and talent acquisition strategy.
2: Yeah, and tapping into the letter, how has that helped you to get the best talent for Revine Lab? Because you've been in leadership positions for for over a decade, right? So you've built teams from from scratch, and I'm sure that you've also learned a lot along the way. So how have you applied those? learnings in combination with the B2B demand strategy of Labs in your talent acquisition strategy?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So I think the first time I really discovered the power of dark social was back in 2019 when I was at a company called Managed by Q. At the time, the CEO was giving me a hard time for not Recruiting on time. And I was trying to think of okay, well, what can I do differently to find really great people to join the team? So that was when I started posting content on LinkedIn. And the idea was the people that we want to hire spend time on this platform. I'm going to start putting out information about our company our team the roles what it's like to work there the funny thing about that that's actually how me and chris walker met and got to know each other was we started engaging with each other's content on linkedin which then led to us you know teaming up to build this company together you know a year later and so i saw immediately how i was able to leverage linkedin for recruiting at managed by q We were then acquired by WeWork. We had to like lay off the company. I moved on later that year. And I decided, okay, I'm going to see how powerful this platform can be. And I basically posted and said, I don't have a job. I'm looking for my next thing. And within a couple of days, I had about 10 different interviews with CEOs and founders at different startups in New York City. Never updated my resume. Never applied for a job. Made that post, had those conversations, got three offers, and I picked one. And that was how I got my next job. So that was the initial journey before I even joined Refine Labs that really proved the power of the platform and what we call dark social to me. So once I joined and we were realizing that we were building some traction and needed to acquire talent at Refine Labs. I was the people team of one along with you know wearing many hats in the early days right as many people do mm-hmm. when you're building a company and I thought this is how we're going to attract talent is by consistently putting out content. And so it's April 2022, me and Chris started actively doing this for the company in the summer of 2020. It took some time, but we have now created and established an employer brand that drives a steady flow of inbound candidates for all of the different positions that we hire for. I can get into more tactics, but I'll pause there for now.
2: Yeah, so, so that also requires a lot of persistence and consistency.
0: Correct. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. And that doesn't come overnight.
0: No, it takes a commitment. And this is a part of the mindset shift that I think is difficult because people, everyone wants a quick fix. Everyone wants a growth hack, a short term win. And the reality is, you have to invest in these types of activities. You do get some quick wins by doing it this way, but the compounding effect of that consistency over time is what's really powerful.
2: How could our audience apply this strategy on their talent attraction strategy as well? Where should they start?
0: So I think there's two things to start with. So one is you need to start creating content that gives prospective candidates real insight into what it's like to work at your company. So we spent a lot of time creating videos of people on our team in the actual jobs that we were recruiting for, answering basic questions. What is your day like? What is the hard part about your job? What are the benefits like? What is the compensation like? What gets you most excited about coming to work, right? Asking a variety of questions from people at the company that are in the jobs and publishing that information online. We've partnered with a great company called Before You Apply that worked with us to set up this page. The concept is, before you apply, learn everything you could possibly know about the company and only apply if it's then interesting to you. So that content creation process is super important. All of that information can also live on your careers page or your careers site. We're in the process of completely revamping ours right now. So that content creation piece is the first step. You have to dedicate time to creating that content in a way that people will want to consume it, right? Short videos, easily accessible information. Then you need to distribute that content. You need a distribution strategy. I noticed there's a question in the chat around paid ads. You don't Mm -hmm. even need to pay for it. The distribution strategy can be done organically through LinkedIn, through TikTok, through Instagram. And the intention there is to post information and distribute that content, but again, in a way that people want to consume it. No one is going to look at your, hey, come work with me. I'm the best person to work with. We're looking for rock stars. Here's the job description. That tells me nothing. That says, oh, you think you're awesome and you think your company and job is awesome. So instead, make a post that talks about your company values or... The things that people, you know, need to have in the job or, you know, I do fun plays off this where I'll say, if you're happy with the status quo, you don't think customer success matters. You don't want to work with diverse, talented people like, well, don't apply here if you don't like those things, right? So you can have some fun with it. But that's really the key components of this strategy, creating, engaging, relevant content and then distributing that content in the places where your audience is already spending their time
2: the latter is perhaps also pretty, well, challenging for companies, right? They've been used to be just pushing their jobs out on these job sites, for example, and then, fingers crossed, hope for the best candidates to apply. And that is perhaps also a little bridge to the question of of Rob, where he says, what's the best way to dip your toes into, well, paid ads for recruitment marketing? Perhaps it's more about dip your toes into getting content out to there where if people are, are active, can it's reactive.
0: Yeah, and so it looks like Rob is already focused on organic distribution. And so you definitely can amplify with paid, right? And so the way to be thinking about that is based on the content that you've distributed organically, identify your top performing pieces of organic content. Which one's got the most engagement? Which one's got the most comments or views? And then take that content and repurpose it into a paid ad and push that out to your target candidate audience. And so that is a really straightforward play that you can run and you can use your organic distribution to really filter out you know, what pieces of content are really resonating with your audience and, and what isn't. And then redeploy that high value, high engagement content through paid to maximize your, your return. So that's a way that you can leverage leverage that.
2: So, so that's also part of putting the candidate first, right? It's, it's simply just listen to what the candidate wants based on actual numbers. Absolutely. Yep. Being more numbers driven is perhaps also something that recruitment uh, teams still need to adapt to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think, um, and there's an interesting question here. Are recruiters selling? If so, how do you provide them with sales enablement? Right. And so, the way to be thinking about this so, like, when we think about Refine Labs and how we market for our customers, a hundred percent of our customers come inbound to us. So, when we think about when they start to have a sales conversation, It's not about, I need to convince this person to buy our services. It's we need to determine together if this is going to be a good fit. So that is what the recruiter's role is, along with the hiring manager for candidates, right? And so what I I say this in interviews all the time, I'm not here to convince you to work here. I'm here to tell you what it's like to work here, to learn about you and what matters to you, to answer your questions of what you need to know so that we can both decide if you working here is going to be good for both of us right so it's not about convincing or selling it's about assessing fit and being as upfront as possible about the the good the bad and the ugly right so when you think about the concept of sales enablement what What really matters the most is, is the recruiter armed with all of the right information so they can accurately portray what the role is like? And can they answer the questions that the candidate has so that they feel that their time is well spent having that conversation? One of our recruiters for our director of demand gen position has spent a ton of time like deeply embedding herself and understanding what demand gen is and what the role is like so that she is equipped to answer a lot of specific questions that candidates have. So that's the way I think about that. I love that question. So I wanted to just riff off that bit because it was tied to what you had just asked before.
2: <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, and I mean, also the question from um, uh, from Tobias is also connected to that, right? Because who's responsible for those activities? Is it the marketing, talent acquisition, HR? Where should this sit within our organization, or is it a multidisciplinary responsibility?
0: Yeah, it's great. It really is its own function. And so I'm really proud that earlier this year in February, we were able to hire a director of employer branding. His name is Jason Jones. He has a ton of experience in this field. He sits within the people function. So within the HR function, Mm -hmm. he is a peer to our head of talent acquisition and absolutely collaborates with some of our creatives on the marketing team for video creation or asset creation. Um, But it's its own function where we have that dedicated. Um, So if you think about even like the modern sales organization, you'd have a head of marketing and a head of sales. And so the way to think about that employer branding is marketing for talent acquisition, and then your talent acquisition function you can be comparable to sales, right? So it's its its own team. We want to continue to invest in, in that team over time as appropriate, but we were able to establish that dedicated role. So this is a person's full-time job to work on this.
2: That's amazing. So you're not only learning from B2B demand gen activities, you're also organizing HR department, just like you've organized a B2B uh, sales organization, for example.
0: Yeah, you can definitely make that comparison, yeah.
2: That's great to see. Talent destination. And uh, you've been sharing quite some uh, content around this and know that quite some is still to come, right? You're uh, about to start with a, with a new show around that. Tell us about talent uh, destinations and and how recruitment marketing plays an important role in this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the concept of a talent destination is asserting that this is the future of work. That it's no longer about just building a company that you want to build a talent destination where, that people want to work at right? To build a company that people love, to create an affinity for your company so that you have people saying, you know, hire me. I want to work there. And that's how you're going to find the best people. But what that means, I mentioned this earlier, it's really delivering on the employee experience. It's creating the conditions so that once you get through the interview process and they actually start working at your company, they don't have buyer's remorse, And they're happy with their decision and they feel that they are, you know, valued, that they're recognized, that they have the appropriate work-life balance and flexibility that people demand now, that they have professional and personal growth and development opportunities, that they feel psychologically safe, that they're part of a diverse team, that they're able to speak up and push back and disagree in a safe spot, that they understand that however long they're going to be at that company, which is never forever, right? I tell that to people all the time. Like, I say, future CMOs come to Refine Labs. You're going to come here and learn more in one year, two years, three years, and you're going to learn anywhere else. And this is going to accelerate your career to get where you want to be, whether that's a CMO at a B2B SaaS company or your own business owner starting your own company, and so also recognizing that, that you need to offer the employee more than just compensation for their work if you mm-hmm. actually want to attract top talent. And so I, I mentioned you know several of the ingredients that I believe make up an ideal talent destination, and that's key. So talking more about marketing and kind of tying it back to that is when you hire people and you create the right conditions and people love where they work, they are going to tell their friends to come and work there. And this is word of mouth. Word of mouth is one of the most powerful marketing tactics for companies, B2C or B2B, but it absolutely applies to talent as well. And the critical piece there is they have to actually love their job and where they work. So that is up to the leaders to create those conditions to do that, which will then fuel word of mouth. And it's like... It's a lovely circle uh, that just keeps on giving.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so it's not like a, a traditional marketing funnel. Is, it's more like a cyclist, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you create great experiences. People love where they work. They tell their friends. They refer their friends for jobs at the company. And it's that, you know, I guess to use the cliche, like that natural flywheel effect.
2: At the end of the day, it's not only about the, whole candidate experience, but it's also about the employee experience that will eventually bring you more qualitative candidates. Exactly. You have this talent destination recipe, which I just just love. Could you highlight a couple of this uh, this recipe?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I touched on a few of the topics just now, but mm-hmm. let me highlight a couple of the ones that I think are really important. So I talk a lot about psychological safety and I think that that is a key driver and a key ingredient in the talent destination recipe. People are no longer willing to accept toxic workplaces. People don't want to have to hide who they are. People want to show up as their true selves. They want to be able to speak their mind. They want to feel you know, safe to disagree. And unfortunately, not a lot of companies are adept at creating that type of environment. I think diversity is huge too. More and more that's going to matter and I think one of the things that I'm most proud of that people say at Refine Labs is the thing that people love the most is their teammates and the people the other people that work at the company and that because we do have a people from all sorts of backgrounds and lived experiences everyone is able to contribute something new to the conversation. And I think that's an area where a lot of companies need to improve and invest. We're still making that a priority. We're not exactly where we want to be with respect to like our total de numbers. But that's really crucial. I think the other piece of this is that I think is really, really important is clarity on what great looks like in the role and ongoing feedback, accountability, and growth opportunities. If you can nail this, that like top talent are people that want to learn and grow, that they wanna be 1% better every single day. They wanna be in an environment that is gonna make them uncomfortable, that is gonna stretch their capabilities. And that's easier said than done to actually create. Those are a few that I think are really important that people should be keeping top of mind.
2: And how will this play an important role in the future of of, uh, recruitment?
0: So I think that the underlying shift that has to change is companies need to rethink what work is and what working at a company is, what job design is, what benefits are, how flexible they are, that when and where people work don't matter as much as the results that they're delivering, that if they don't change this mindset or think about how to re-architect their candidate journey and their employee experience that no one will want to work there anymore. Like this will become table stakes in a few years is my prediction. And so the companies that are prioritizing these types of practices now are going to be the ones that will win in the future. And then as soon as all of this becomes table stakes and expected, then the pressure is gonna be on to evolve to the next evolution and the next phase of whatever that might be. And the intent is both, again, with our marketing strategy for our customers, as well as our strategy in building this company, is we wanna always be leading the way in discovering the next new and better way to do anything, right? Whether it's marketing, building a company, creating a talent
2: destination. I think we've we've came to the conclusion that there's for lots of companies out there still some catch of work to be done, but um, looking further down the line ahead of the the future, how should company prep themselves to be able to adapt to the ever changing candidate behavior?
0: I think there's like two main things. So I think one is they need to make sure that their actual business is strong and healthy. A lot of the practice, like the bad or the poor practices, I think come from the fact that many businesses are young, they're growing, maybe they're losing money. They have a lot of pressure from outside investors to get things done quickly or to hit really strong growth targets. And because of that, they make decisions that are short-term focused, not long-term focused. You can't do any of the things that I'm describing if you don't have a solid, basic, foundational, healthy business. Right and Too often people have the growth at all costs mentality and don't view people as they should and just say, well, let's just get a bunch of people in here. We're just going to like try to make this happen. Then if it doesn't work... Oh, well, we'll have to like lay some people off, right? Instead of like, how can I build a sustainable foundation from the beginning so that I never have to be in that type of position? So I think like that's key. Like you have to build an actual business that makes money, right? And that you have customers that want to buy your product. You're not going to be able to invest in your people if that's not true. And the second piece is really shifting the mindset. So I have this phrase that I like to say a lot, which is people success equals customer success equals company success. And most business leaders think the opposite of that. They think if my company is successful, then I'm gonna prioritize my customers, then I'll take care of my people. And so this comes back to the mindset shift that we've touched on throughout this conversation. People need to understand that if you build a great business and that you then prioritize your people, your customers will be successful and you'll continue to get the compounding positive growth impact for your company success as well. So it's like that long-term infinite game mindset. It's prioritizing the right things, building a sound, healthy business and putting your people first.
2: We're almost at the end of this uh, show already. I feel like we could have gone through for, for, for another hour, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I want to give you the opportunity to answer the question that uh, Melissa had, and uh, i love to see uh, all the engagement coming from our audience uh, today. And Melissa asked, how do you detect experimental diversity in that conversation you mentioned?
0: Yeah, this is a really great question. And I think that we do an okay job of this. And this is an area where we want to continue to get better. And so there's a couple of tactics in interviewing that I find most effective to bring this to the surface. So one is I always like to open a conversation with having people share their story, their personal story, their career story. I intentionally leave it fairly open-ended so that I get more of a well-rounded picture of what this person has been through. Before I have them tell talk me through their story, I explain more about our company, the role, and some of the key elements or skills that really set someone up for success in the role. And I ask them to keep those in mind as they're telling me their story so that they're able to connect how the different experiences that they've had Relate back to what's important in this role. And just that, like, setup for the conversation allows the candidate to go in a lot of different directions. And you find out a lot of interesting information that you might not find out if it wasn't as open ended and general. The other piece of this is, and another question that I always ask in an interview is what are the three most important things that you look for when you're choosing a company? And then Going further in depth into the three things that they bring up. Because inevitably, the way that people answer that question is predicated on the experiences that they've had up until that point. They either had a negative experience and they don't want to repeat that, or they had some positive experiences and they want to find a place that will be able to give them more of that. And again, when you start to ask more questions and dig further into the why or more details behind the examples that they bring up. It really paints a full picture of what's important to this individual, what they have experienced and been through, what they want. And it also helps truly assess fit, which again, in my mind, that's the most important goal in an interview process for both sides. Is this going to be a win-win situation? Is this going to be a good fit if I join the company?
2: To rep things so. Knowing that uh, our audience consists out of uh, direct employers, but also companies in the people business who need to advise their customers to streamline the candidate journey in general. What's the number one thing our audience should put into practice tomorrow?
0: So I think the number one thing is start creating content with your team of what it's like to work at your company. That's the foundational element of this. And you know, a lot of marketers or business owners will say, talk to your customers to get the customer insights. Well, guess what? Your team members or your employees are your company's customers. And so talk to your team, start developing content, start recording videos, start creating materials. And that's going to be the foundation for you to adopt this strategy to meet candidates where they're at. And bonus, you might learn something along the way when you start talking to your team more about how they feel about working at your company. (laughs)
2: 100%, which will also then help you to perhaps uh, redefine your whole value proposition. Absolutely. Yeah, super cool. All right, thank you so much, uh, Megan, for joining. We'll be sharing this uh, recording with our uh, audience and also include a recap with the key takeaways in there. I encourage the audience to follow Megan on, uh, on LinkedIn. She has great content to share. If you want to learn more about uh, the dark uh, funnel, um, uh, dark social, but also talent destinations, I encourage you to go to uh, com and or follow Chris uh, on uh, LinkedIn as well. Anything to add to that, Megan?
0: No, I think that was great. I really appreciate you having me on the show. I love this topic. And so I'm glad we were able to break down some tactical strategies for the audience. Thanks again for
2: having me. Right. Thanks for uh, being with us. Uh, I'm convinced that the uh, audience has uh, learned a lot and uh, that they walk away with great advice that they can put in motion tomorrow. Thank you so much for uh, joining. Thanks, uh, audience, for listening and engaging. Love that
1: side effects of listening to this podcast include but are not limited to increased employee engagement,
0: retention of high potential employees, and becoming a badass in the people, talent, or operations space. If you're looking for a new role, Refine Labs would love to hear from you. Go to refinelabs.com slash careers for more insight into amazing opportunities at our fully distributed workforce.